Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's a real delight to be gathered together uh, as a re- uh, regional gathering of churches. Uh, there's extra life around here this morning. I don't know if it feels like that compared to where you normally are. Um, it still feels to me like there's more life here uh, than there normally is in Oxford on a Sunday morning. And dare I say, perhaps a little bit more than there is in some of the other churches when I visited them. That's not casting any aspersions. It's just that when we come together, there's something about this yes. that delights the Lord. Um, He spoke to us many years ago about being stronger together, and although it's a season of change in the life of Oxfordshire Community Churches, and it's only part of the the whole family of Oxfordshire Community Churches that's gathered this morning, there's others gathered this morning in the south of the county, in the west of the county, that word remains true, that we're stronger together, and it's... Um, Sometimes you can see how it works practically because in one church there's someone that's got, um, I don't know, some kind of administrative gift and someone in another church that's got a vision for a project and they don't know how to do it and you can join people up. But there's something a little bit mystical about it as well. It just pleases God that his people come together and are united and I hope you felt that as we're here this morning. Obviously we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer And we'll read it through again, and uh, just go to where it is in the scriptures. It's there in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. And uh, it's good to go there, because there's a little bit of context to it in that setting. And uh, the first thing is, there in verse 9, Jesus introduces the prayer, saying, This, then, is how you should pray. That's why we repeat this prayer And the people of God have repeated this prayer through the centuries because Jesus says, if you're thinking about how to pray, if you're trying to learn how to pray, this is how to do it. It is a a template for us from which we can learn in all of our praying. So this is what Jesus said. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So from these verses, as I have been myself praying and preparing ahead of this morning, I believe God wants to speak to us this morning about trust about trusting him. And in these few verses, I think we can see five different kinds of trust that God desires from us in our praying. So let's start with this first thing, trusting God's priorities. This is a picture of the story of Mary and Martha, which I'll get to in a minute. But let's start with this Funny kind of word that we have in most translations in the English. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not an everyday word, is it? Hallowed. And we need to just stop and think about what it means. What it means is to dedicate or consecrate. That is, to take something and to set it apart as special. And so these words of prayer are about starting out by making sure that God himself is special. We haven't just become familiar to the point of contempt with him, but he remains set apart for us. The same same idea 
is there right at the beginning of the Bible in the story of creation, the first of the two stories of creation, the one that happens in uh, seven days. Well, it ha- creation happens in six days. And then it says, God set apart the seventh day as holy. It's different from the rest. And that's what God calls us to do with our attitude towards him. Later on in Matthew chapter 6, we get Jesus saying, seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added unto you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And so what God wants from us is to put him first. Now, what often happens is that we only get round to praying when our activity has become frustrated. We kind of get to the end of ourselves, and when we realize that we can't make it work, that's when we start to pray. Which brings us to the story of Mary and Martha, which, for those of you who are not familiar with it, is these two sisters, Jesus is in their house, one of them is sat at Jesus' feet, Mary, and engaging with him and listening to him. Martha is uh, getting on with the domestic tasks, which certainly needed doing. I mean, that had to happen. But she kind of just got on with it and kept going with it to the point where she was really knocked that it wasn't going how she wanted it to go. And then, and only then, came to Jesus and actually even had a complaint that Mary had been doing that all, all along. And many of you will have heard sermons on the story of Mary and Martha uh, many times. But what we see here is Mary... It's, it's not actually a contrast between whether we pray or whether we work. That's not the contrast. It's to do with the priority and trusting God's priority. Some of you will know that the Hebrew word for work also means worship. In Jewish thinking, in Hebrew thinking... You didn't work sometimes and worship at other times, but your work was worship. God's involved in the whole of life. Worship's not just some activity you hive off to do when you've got to the end of your work or when you take a break. It all kind of fits together. So it's not about saying, should we work or should we worship? It's about the priority of the relationship that we have with our Father God. And for Martha, she'd got on with working. And only when she got fed up that things weren't as she thought they should be, did she turn to Jesus. Whereas for Mary, she started with Jesus. She spent time with him. And that's how it should be for us, that we should start with Jesus. It's not about never doing any work, but it's about starting with Jesus and letting him instruct us and send us out to work as he wants us to, so that we carry out our work in faith, having been instructed by God and carrying his presence with him. But the truth is that for many of us, prayer is what we get to when we're fed up, when we're frustrated. Or we pray about our finances when the money runs out. We pray about our health when... We're sick. These things uh, cause us to pray when otherwise we wouldn't be so much in the habit. And that's one reason why patterns of prayer are really, really helpful. Patterns of prayer mean that we get round to praying anyway, even when things aren't falling apart for us. And we have all kinds of different 
patterns of prayer. We're just starting a month of prayer. So actually, in church life, most years, at some point, well, actually, in my experience, every year, at some point, we have at least some season of prayer, like a month of prayer, or six, you know, 40 days of prayer, or something. That's a pattern of prayer that says, as the years go by, let's make sure we have some season when we put prayer back again to the top of the list where it should be our first priority. That's why we've, got, we've organized some prayer meetings. It's not just a habit. It's kind of a springtime. It's kind of what OCC does. Let's have some prayer meetings. We want to make sure that prayer is right up there at the top, that our priorities are lined up with God's priorities, and we pray before going out to do stuff, not only when we're fed up. So please, as Steve said, please do look at those prayer times. Uh, The one that's at the Lees Academy you may struggle to find, because there is no Lees Academy. Uh, There is an Oxford Academy if you're looking on Google and you want to find it. And it's at 8, not 7.30. That's because we're lazy around here. No, well, anyway. You can find that, please do get along to those meetings. I'm also actually really praying that they'll serve as opportunities for us to get to know each other a bit more. Some of us were praying just before this meeting started and praying, and I don't know how much this prayer was answered over coffee. Others of you will have to tell me. But that we wouldn't just stick with our mates from the places we've come from and the people that we know, but that God would help us to be one family together by starting to get to know and make friends, like real friends, with people from other places. And I'm praying that those prayer times will also serve that purpose. So there's a month of prayer. That's part of a pattern of prayer. You know what? Sundays are part of a pattern as well. Uh, Sunday is the first day of the week for us. Uh, for Jews, it's the last day of the week. For in, with Jesus started off a whole new order of history uh, when he, resur- he was resurrected on a Sunday. So that's now the first day of the week. That's where we begin. We see Sunday. It's where we start. It's about starting every week with God. And um, there is a temptation to just think that putting our feet up and getting some rest before we get into our work will do. But that's not the best that God has for us. The best that he has for us is to get our priorities right and to spend time with him re-establish our relationship with him in whatever way it's drifted, get into his presence so that we can carry his presence through the rest of the week so that our work will be worship and not just activity. Yeah? Are you with me? Well, I am preaching to the converted, aren't I? This is a Sunday and here we are. (laughs) Um, Daily patterns of prayer. Starting the day in prayer. That's what these prayer texts are going to help us to do through the coming month. If you're not in the habit of praying every day, don't say to yourself, well, I'm not sure if a prayer text will work for me, but sign up. We haven't already got your mobile number. Sign up for the prayer text, and it will stimulate you to pray every day and start to put that habit. There are other patterns of prayer. I don't know whether you're in the habit of praying before the meals that you eat. That's a good pattern of prayer, praying before you eat. Uh, praying before going on journeys. Do you do that? Praying for travelling mercies? Those kinds of... There are certain habits that we can have that help us to pray before our activities rather than only when our activities have come to frustrate us. So this first thing here, all spilling out from our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, is putting God first, putting prayer before activity. Yeah? Good. The second thing... Trusting his 
purpose is, this is a picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, agonizing in prayer before going to the cross, trusting God's purposes. Let uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your will be done. That's a deep thing, isn't it? And what we see in this, uh, this picture, this story of Jesus himself before the cross, he wrestled with that himself. He said, eventually, in his prayer, Father, I don't want to do this. Made that clear. It's not my will. At that point, it's not, it's not what I want. If this cup can be taken from me, this cup of suffering, if it can be taken from me, that's what I want. But not my will, but yours be done. There's submission in prayer to the will of God. A moment to align ourselves afresh with him. Now, um, some of you will have heard me quote a particular prayer, and you may be getting bored of this as I quote it again, but I was brought up as a Methodist. Uh, I met God when I was seven years old through a prayer that is a regular part of Methodist worship, and it's a prayer that they call the Covenant Prayer, which is really a prayer of renewed submission to God. And if you've never heard this before, listen carefully and pick up what it says. This is a prayer. At the age of seven, I ran out of the church building at the age of seven because I sensed that this moment, as the congregation went through this prayer, I sensed the weight of the glory of God. I couldn't describe it at that at the age of seven. I just ran out. And when my mum came after me to give me a clip round the ear, and she said, what's going on? I, all I could say was, I feel sick in my stomach. That's all I knew. But actually, from that moment on, I've never had any serious doubt about the reality of God because he met me through this prayer. And it goes like this. Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you and to do your bidding. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you exalted for you, or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, You are mine, and I am yours. I met with God through that prayer, a prayer of dedication to God. Now, that might sound a bit heavy. Let me be empty. Let me be brought low. But you know what? Those are are prayers about the death to self that goes on in our walk with Christ. And what comes after death in the Christian life? Resurrection. And these prayers of death to self are followed by new life from God. Now, glorious and blessed God, you are mine and I am yours. God will sometimes ask us to do things that we don't want to do. Yeah? Have any of you experienced that? Just want to check. Yeah, okay. If you haven't yet, then there's some testimony around. God doesn't always ask us. You know, when I grew up, I... I don't know if any of you had this growing up in my teens as a Christian and thinking that um, because it was good to submit to God, that God would undoubtedly call me to do something I hated doing. I don't know. That's a little bit twisted. God, 
doesn't often do that with his people. Uh, and then, the, the, because, well, actually, there's then grace for whatever he calls us to do. But he does sometimes ask us to do things that we don't want to do. Um, sometimes that's about starting something new, and we're intimidated by it, we're fearful, and we need courage. And starting something that God asks us to do can be difficult. Do you know what? I think what can be much more difficult is when God asks us to stop doing something. That's often much, much harder. I don't know if some of you have ever had a period in your life of living by faith, by which we mean trusting God for your money to come from wherever, like the manna in the wilderness for the Israelites. And then you've got... It's changed, and like the Israelites going into the promised land, the manna stopped, and all of a sudden they had to start working the land. You know, for some of you, you've come to the end of a season of living by faith, and it just seems like God's not there anymore, and he's asking you to work. And that kind of change, when God says, what you've experienced as a pattern of blessing, I'm asking now for that to stop. That's difficult, isn't it? And yet God asks those kinds of things from us. If you've had some kind of responsibility, maybe at work, or a leadership role amongst God's people, and God asks that to stop, that can be really hard. If God asks you to bring a particular relationship to an end, that's about as tricky as it gets, I think. But when God speaks to us, and leads us as his people. Whatever we might feel is dying in the process, there is new life that will come. It's a promise that the, the, you know, Easter Sunday follows Good Friday every single time. I met someone on Friday afternoon uh, at the Oxford Academy, actually, as it happens, who was explaining to me something that had happened in his own life. He was driving me home afterwards, and he said... Um, I was asking about his job and so on. And he said, you know, in my previous job, I was just doing my job one day and I got this email and then all of a sudden God spoke to me and said, right, just clear your desk and go home, give up the job. And I said, that must have been quite hard. He said, actually, no, it wasn't because God spoke really clearly. I thought, well, he must have done, really. (laughs) Uh, he had no, no plans, this, this guy, uh, had no plans, but God spoke, so he did it. The fruit of it was he got six months paid gardening leave, and at the end of it, offered five jobs. That's quite good, isn't it? Um, sometimes it doesn't, it's not always as tidy as that. You know, this thing about trusting in God's purposes, in Hebrews 11, it lists off a whole number of people that lived this life of faith obeying God and trusting him, but actually they didn't get six months gardening leave and five jobs at the end of it. They died, still trusting. So Easter Sunday follows Good Friday. Resurrection follows the death to self, uh, but there's no promise about the timing. It might be the the other side of death in this life. It might be that the things that God has called us to do, we, you know, we only see the purposes in eternity. Huh. 
The point is just to trust him. To trust his priorities and to trust his purposes. I find myself often praying. If any of you have ever been in a prayer meeting with me, you may have noticed that I very frequently pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. If we have a meeting coming up and we're praying for the meeting, I will often pray, God, would your kingdom come in this meeting? Would your will be done in this meeting? I personally find it's the bit of the Lord's Prayer that I have to pray most often because it's the bit that I am least minded to agree with. I find myself, I don't know if you have this, I have this kind of love-hate thing going on with this little bit of the Lord's Prayer. I love the kingdom of God. I, love the, I want it to happen, but I kind of don't. Um, when Bev and I were engaged, um, I remember... Um, There's a moment in our engagement when it became clear to me that I needed to get set free from some demonic stuff. Um, it was really clear, because I was going to work and unable to function at all, and I was able, and I just couldn't, I just couldn't do anything. I'd sit at the computer kind of frozen. Something had come up in me, and it needed dealing with. And Jeremy, he's been doing the words this morning, and Steve Thomas prayed for me. And, um, and they, I got set free. Brilliant. I was able to function as a human being again. It was great. I remember in the process of being prayed for, one of the things that I found myself praying was, oh God, this prayer of submission, which I suppose had been sort of put into me from those early years. God, I just want, I just want your will for my life. You know, whatever you want to do with me, would you do it? I remember, um, I think it was Steve Thomas that said to me, do you know what you're praying? Are you sure that that's what you want? And by the grace of God, I was a rise of faith. And I said, yes, I really do want the will of God for my life. But it's a battle, isn't it? Because it's about whether we trust God when he does things with us that weren't quite what we wanted. Will we trust him? Will we trust his provision? Uh, Daily bread. Here we go. It'll come in a second on the picture. But the prayer in here says, give us today our daily bread. Did you know that at this point, Jesus is quoting the Old Testament? He's quoting Proverbs 30, which says... Give me my daily bread. But in Proverbs 30, there's a bit more, and I'm sure that Jesus knew this, being well acquainted with the scriptures. And this is what it says in Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. What it actually says is, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much. And disown you, Lord, and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. Poverty and riches both bring temptation. Poverty brings temptation to steal, Riches bring a temptation just to forget about God altogether and to disown him. In English, we we talk about a hand-to-mouth existence as a bad thing. But scripturally, you may have noticed that God wants us to depend on him. He wants us to be happy depending on him. There's a theologian called Schliermacher. Uh, German, I think. Uh, doesn't sound very French or anything else, does it? And uh, he made a statement that 
that dependence on God is the essence of Christianity. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? Because there's something in us that resists depending on God. That, you know, we don't want to be dependent. We want to grow up and be self-sufficient. But we're children of God, you know? We don't ever get to move on from being children of God. We remain his dependents. We rely on him for all that we have. Um, Later in this chapter, Jesus speaks about uh, not worrying. Here we go. um, Genesis, Matthew 6 and verse 25. Jesus says, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. And goes on to say, your Father in heaven knows that you need these things. Seek first the kingdom, and so on. It's about God caring for us, and therefore, therefore, not needing to be anxious. Can I just ask a question? Um, who are the natural-born worriers amongst us? You know, the, you're the people. You know, I, I'm talking about people that you know. You think you think ten steps ahead, and you see all the problems. Is there anyone like that? Yeah. Some people have a greater temptation to anxiety, therefore. Um, Who are the people who are natural, bury your head in the sand about the future people? It'll all be fine, whatever. Don't even, haven't got a clue what's coming next, frankly. Yeah, there's a few people like that. Um, It's actually a God-given gift to be able to look ahead and to see what might well come. So those of you that are more anxious by nature, I want to say, great, you have a gift of being able to look ahead. That's a good thing to think consequentially. But the further ahead you can think of the consequences, the more faith you need. Uh, if If in your finances you only plan a week ahead and you don't really look beyond that, you only need faith for that week. If you're someone who's got at home on your computer a spreadsheet that has your finances up until and into retirement, (laughs) and you're making calculations about likely pension plans and all the rest of it, well, praise God that you're able to do that. That's probably quite helpful. But you've got a lot more to have faith for, haven't you? You've got to have faith for hundreds and thousands of weeks, not just the one. Otherwise, you'll be anxious. Uh, Some of you know that we're looking to start a school uh, in the city of Oxford here. And um, I have some ability to to think ahead consequentially, and I'm being helped by other people to think about that. And you know what? I can see all kinds of problems. Um, One of the biggest problems that I can see is that we will face a constant temptation receiving money from the government to make safe choices that would stand up really clearly in public life rather than making the right choices. That's going to be a constant temptation. And so the determination to go ahead and to seek to start a free school paid for by the government here in the city, for me, the big challenge of faith has been rising in faith that God will help us at every point. With every staff appointment, with all our publicity, with whatever HR issues we might have in the years to come, God will help us. Because I've seen that, 
faith has to rise to meet it. So it's okay to look ahead, but uh, trust and faith needs to grow to be happy to be dependent on God for all that lies ahead, so that we don't need to worry. Okay, trusting God's priorities, trusting God's purposes, trusting God's provision, trusting God's pardon. Here we go. Forgive us our debts. If this is this bird's just been set free. We're set free. That's the point. We're set free from a captivity to sin. If we believe in Jesus, then we're accepted in Christ. We're one with him in spirit. We have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. We can approach God with freedom and confidence. You know, we've been bought with a price, the price being the lifeblood of God himself. And the evil one can't touch us. We're free forever from condemnation. But of course, we don't always believe it. 17 years ago, uh, the Animal Liberation Front broke into um, the research labs of Rentakill, the pest control people. Uh, They broke in because there was a whole lab in which lab rats were being kept. And the future of these lab rats, God bless them, was to be poisoned. It was a lab where they tested poisons. So all of the rats had their own individual little cages, lots of hay, nice, everything was nice, but their future was painful death. And the Animal Liberation Front got hold of this, and they broke in one weekend, opened the doors to the labs, opened all the doors to the cages, and all the rats escaped. Uh, and they shut the door again. On Monday morning, when the lab technicians came in, all they did was open up all the doors again. And all the, most, not all, but most of the rats made their way back into their cages. <laughs> and uh, that's a little picture of what can happen for us when we come to Christ, we know that we have been decisively set free, and yet we have this tendency to crawl back into feeling guilty, to worrying whether or not we've genuinely been cleansed by God, and to go back into old ways of thinking because we were used to them. They were a home for us. And we need to continue to live in the freedom that we have. And so where it says this prayer, forgive us our debts, um, elsewhere in the New Testament, it makes it abundantly clear that for those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. We don't have to worry about whether we have been forgiven and we can trust that God has pardoned us. Finally, then, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's something here about trusting God's presence with us. Um, Before I took on leading Oxford Community Church, I had a moment in which I became really aware, like really aware, of my utter inability. I guess it's this thing of learning to depend on God. And I felt led by God to fast for a longer period of time than I'd fasted before in preparation for the time when hands would be laid on me to pray for the thing that I was called to do. Different ones of us are called to do different things by God. And for me, in the process of approaching what I knew I was called to do, I felt a need to dedicate myself and open myself up to God in a fresh way through a prolonged period of prayer and fasting at that time. At the end of that time, uh, I was sat in um, the Arboretum at Newnham Courtney and praying that God would speak to me 
And I was a bit fed up because I'd been fasting then for, I guess, about three weeks. I was quite tired. And uh, I didn't really, hadn't really heard anything from God. And then in a moment, as I was sat there in the car, in a moment, God said this thing to me. Um, he said, go and volunteer for the Citizens Advice Bureau. Which was not something I'd anticipated, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, now, I ought to, exp- ought to have explained that at this point, I knew that my leadership of this one church was... A key part of it was going to be something about getting the life of God out into the community. And for some... I'd actually had conversations with Steve Thomas, who's my boss, saying, is there some way in which I could get another job a, a day a week or something? Is there something I could do that would get me out into the community a day a week for like a few years that would make a difference to my life and hopefully show the value of something amongst us as a, as a community of God's people. So anyway, I heard this really... It's the nearest I've ever had to an audible voice from God, go and volunteer for the Citizens Advice Bureau. So I trundled into the bureau in the city centre and I said, um, can I volunteer? They said, well, you can do, but we request you please to give a day a week and to do so for at least a few years. Is that all right? I said, ah... It seems that God's in all of this, and yes, it is. And I had some great times. I did that for three years. I felt that's what the sort of length of time that God said. I had some great times. I had one excellent occasion that comes to mind where there was a Spanish woman. I think she was Spanish. Um, she came in because her, rela- her relationship with her husband was breaking down. She had questions about who the property would, who would be able to live in the pro- family property and those kinds of things. And I was trying to give her advice about her legal rights and so on. At a certain point, she just paused the conversation. She looked at me for a moment, and she said, she said, hmm... She said, I can see that you're a spiritual person. Is there anything else you want to tell me about anything? <laughs> so I had some good experiences in that context. Um, but the most significant thing for me, the real miracle of that encounter with God in the car in Unum Courtney was that he did something with me he spoke a word which gave me confidence that he was going to be with me. What had actually been going on was I had become intimidated. I had come to a point of thinking that when I went out into my day-to-day life, that people who were not Christians would just be opposed to me. Like, you know, the world is a bad, difficult place that we have to struggle through, and then we can return home we can return to family, we can return to Christian fellowship and there gain our peace. What God did with me through speaking that word was give me confidence that I would carry his presence into the place where he was sending me. And instead of feeling intimidated by the world, a completely different mindset said, I know I'm going as God's person to do this. I'll carry his presence with me and everything will be different because of it. And I believe God wants to bless all of us with that confidence. When Jesus leads us and teaches us to pray these words, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, it's because it is his intention to lead us away from evil. It says in 1 Corinthians 10 that there is no, sorry, uh, yeah, that there is no temptation given to us that uh, is, is that which is common to man and there is always a way out. There's always a way, when Jesus tells us to pray that we be led away from temptation, his expectation is that that prayer will be fulfilled. Yeah. That we needn't 
experience temptation that's beyond us. When he says us to pray, deliver us from the evil one, as we were hearing earlier, it's because the power of God is there for us to see us set free from all of the tricks, all of the activity of the evil one. We're to pray these things because having God with us will experience his power and his presence will transform us all. So, five kinds of trusting God. This prayer is all about trusting God. It's all about being willing to depend on him. Trusting his, his priorities, his purposes, that he'll provide for us. Trusting that he does forgive us. Trusting that he's with us. And I think we could respond in a number of ways. Are we going to make use of these things or are we not going to... Can can I make a suggestion as to how we respond? I'd like to suggest that what God is after from us is not just trust, but also obedience. He calls us to trust and obey. To trust and obey. Those two things go together. And what I'd like to suggest is, I think we've got these different stations around the hall here, which are basically the different verses from the Lord's Prayer. And I think it would be great for us to take a few minutes to go to, as we've been going through the prayer, not just in what I've said this morning, but as we've gone through it through the morning, if there is some particular part of this where you know that God wants to call you, invite you in to trust him, be it for his provision or protection or whatever it may be, and to obey, for you to obey him in that area, I think it would be great for us to go to these different places, just as a sign of faith, to say, you know what, God, I am going to trust you for my daily bread, You know what, God, I am going to trust you that your priorities for my life are the right ones for me and they'll do me good. Yeah? We can move and let's make that a, a step of faith. And in those places, pray. And then Steve will tell us what to do next.